So podcast four, we have Travis Minigar in, financial advisor at Mutual of Omaha. And really what we're going to talk about today is probably a whole lot of things, but to hone in and start, uh, let's talk about, you know, how you became a financial advisor, some of the things that you find um, that you enjoy, and then some of the things that you went through that were really hard and kind of some roadblocks uh, along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I actually uh, graduated from UWL back in 2008, so it seems like a long time ago. Um, <laughs> you guys were pretty young back then, but I actually went to school here for sport management and business, and I ended up uh, doing an internship in college athletics. 2008 was kind of a tough time with the economy when I graduated. The, the stock market wasn't very good, job market wasn't very good, so I decided I didn't really want to pursue moving to a big city to work for a professional team or going on to get my master's at the time to work in college athletics. So I ended up taking a sales job here locally with a company that I was with for four and a half years, and then um, one day I... Uh, my mom actually ran into our general manager here in town with Mutual Omaha Advisors. I think he was actually trying to recruit my mom. Um, and she's <laughs> like, well, no, I wouldn't be good at that, but my son, you should talk to him. And so that's how I um, got introduced and, and kind of said, well, hey, I'm 26. I'm not married, no kids. If I'm going to get into probably what's the toughest business that there is out there, building a, a business from the, f- the ground up in the financial services industry, um, why not do it now before, I can, you know, before I'm married right. and have all these things that you know, might prevent me from you know, going into something that you have to build from scratch. So that's kind of how I got here, not even in the same major anymore, which, you know, looking back at it, I think that from 18 to 22 years old, how do you really know what you want to do for the rest of your life? You don't. And I think it's pretty common. It's you see a lot of you people don't. end up in different industries. So um, so mind. we talked about when I met you out front here that you also own a bar in La Crescent. Yep. And then you talked about how your parents also used to own the Eagle's Nest. Yep. Um, so talk a little bit about, um, you know, owning a bar and owning a small business while yeah. on the side. I'm yeah. I'm sure it's kind of tough. Yeah, so all through college, how I how I kind of, you know, got into the service industry, um, my parents owned the Eagle's Nest here right off of campus when I was in, you know, middle school. I started working there when I was 15, you know, going to, going to school, uh, playing, you know, three sports when I was younger, and I just worked in the kitchen, you know, just to start mm-hmm. getting some work experience. And then when I came to college here, I worked, you know, 25 hours a week all through school, taking full, cu- full credit loads. Um, my parents ended up selling the business and um, when they got divorced and then my dad ended up buying another bar that me and my best friend and my brother owned with him and I've always done that on top of a full-time job Um, all of them work there full-time but to me it's not really work I mean I've been in the service industry so long that it's more you're out kind of networking with people and it's a good change of pace from the day job so before you came in we were talking about how like we have no idea like where this podcast is going, anything we want to do in our life, but we talked about the worst thing that happens is we network, and you kind of just mentioned it. Yeah. And so like I think about how important it is to just meet people and reach out to people because the worst thing that happens is that they say no, but then the best thing that could happen is you they say yes, and you have a conversation with them, mm-hmm. and someday along the road you never know when you're going to have to reach out to that same person again. Mm-hmm. Um, Nate, so yes, last week we, wanted, we were talking about a little bit about college and some of the things that colleges necessarily don't do a good job of and I think that the one thing other than being in a business major is if you are you know in health and, and science and the arts and things like that you graduate you get your degree and then you try to find a job but colleges really don't teach those people how to manage their finances yeah and do things um, from that standpoint so if you are someone giving advice to someone our age um, on I know things to look out for in the future things to plan for when they get a job what would those things kind of be 
So I think you, you hit it right on the head there. I think what, what I talk to all of our new clients about, you know, when we're first meeting with them is our job at its most basic level is really just to be an educator to people. Um, so when I'm sitting down with people, it's, you know, really what I have to be good at and what our team has to be good at is asking good questions, trying to get to the root of what people's goals are, what they want to accomplish, and educating them as to how these things work. Because you're right, you don't get this stuff in high school and in college. So a lot of the stuff we do is very basic. And then the older you get, the more sophisticated it gets, kind of. You know, mm -hmm. you have more money, you have more things to protect, right. all that stuff. Um, but with people who are, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, I think the biggest thing is just start saving some money somehow to pay yourself first. I think we live in that day and age where you're 18 years old, you can just ap apply for a credit card. Right. And all of a sudden you can, you know, or you can get take out student loans that goes right into your checking account and bang, you can be out at the bars or being out doing whatever you want and you don't have to really be, you, nobody's mm -hmm. teaching you to be disciplined with your money. Um, so one of the first financial things I can remember, it was, I was in HPR 105 here at, on campus when I was a freshman. Well, I mean that. <laughs> and I, I believe it was Brian Uterman, I don't know if he's still here, um, mm -hmm. He taught HBR 105, and I remember we were in, like, the, the large lecture over at Main Hall, and he was just showing on, and it had nothing to do with HBR at all, but he was just showing on a PowerPoint, one of his slides was, you know, the power of just starting to save at different ages. And, it, you know, if you, if you start saving at age 20 as compared to age 30 mm -hmm. as to age 40 and how much the compound interest makes a difference, and, like, I walked out of there just saying, well, heck, I should go start like a Roth IRA and even just start putting 50 bucks a month in because at least I won't spend it, right? So that's kind of, I always knew that I had a, an interest in investments and finance and helping people. I just never really thought when I was in college of pursuing a finance degree. Right. So a lot, of the, a lot of the guys on my team um, have finance degrees. So they start off with way more knowledge than I ever did. But the root of what they always say when I start getting on the field with them, helping them run appointments and build their practice mm -hmm. is, Man, like a, a month and a half in or two weeks in even, they'll be saying, I've learned so much more in two weeks than I did in college. And it's not that the, the university doesn't do a good job of preparing you, right? They right. spend all this time. But the, the life lessons in any career is what you're going to take out of getting out into the real world, you know? I do have a question off of that. So yep. do you think, so we take all these gen eds, right? I yep. have to take like archaeology, yep. we do HPR, we do the preach classes, all that. Yep. Do you think that it would be a good idea to like have a finance class as a gen ed <coughs> so people are at least a little bit educated and like you said um two weeks just to learn like a ton of skills yeah. and then that way you're actually like your mind is actually thinking about saving and you're intentional with your money not yep. just blowing it um every weekend do you think that that should be incorporate incorporated in our university system I, yeah, I think it would be great. And, and I don't think it has to be anything overly sophisticated. It's mm. simply, you know, how do you make a budget, right? And mm. that's really, when, when we're meeting with a client for the first time, all we're doing is kind of, it's an icebreaker meeting, I call it. We're going to introduce ourselves, talk about how we do business, um, how we would like to help the client. And then from there, um, really what we send them kind of, I call it homework, and, you know, mm. people kind of laugh, but we send them home with a cash flow um, to fill out. And, and a lot of people, when they're in the professional world or they're a little bit older, they know their budget in their head, right? Mm. But most people don't put it on paper and kind of see where maybe those those leakages are in that bucket or in that budget where they're like, oh, man, we spent 500 bucks a month on average the last couple months mm. just on going out to eat and having beers, right? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I always tell our clients, we're not the fun police. I want you to enjoy your life as much as you can when you're young because we don't know how long we're going to live. 
So mm-hmm. to save everything for the future, that would be foolish. But let's have let's find a good balance of doing both. Mm-hmm. And I think those conversations should absolutely be started. And it, it probably just comes down to budgeting and and paying yourself first. Whether it's just even putting money in a savings account, you know, if you make a hundred dollars a month and you're living off your student loans, well, that's fine. But you know, keep some of it on the side in case something happens, an emergency mm-hmm. fund. You know, that's that's really where we're we're educating people on have money in different areas so that if you do get in a pinch, you can get yourself out of it. It's not always it's not always those micro expenses. Sometimes it's the macro expenses yep. that you guys look at, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, jumping off of that, you know, you think about the average. I, lo- I looked up some stuff kind of before we started, and the average income in 2018 for a household was about $60,000. Mm-hmm. And looking at savings rate just for the average household, it was like 2 or 3%. You know, people aren't saving nearly enough as they should be. Mm-hmm. And it's not because of the micro expenses. It's more because of, you know, people are buying cars and, and all this kind of stuff and all these mm-hmm. macro things. And so, you know, they're working so much longer than they probably need to be. Yep. And it's because some of the stuff that they do right away, you know, getting out of college. And mm-hmm. you know, that's why, you know, we talk about the kind of stuff um, that we can relate to of people our age because, you know, you get out of college, you don't want to make some of these same mistakes that other people are making. Yep. And trying to set yourself up for the for the future. Yeah, I mean that three dollar and fifty cent coffee every day of the week for thirty days and mm. thirty or thirty one uh, days in a month. You know, add that up in a month. A good, all of yeah. a sudden, you've got almost a hundred bucks out late just in getting coffee. Now, for a college kid, sure, maybe a couple times a month you do that to treat yourself, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's not too expensive to go get a full can of right. Folgers and just you know a coffee pot for mm. at home, right? In so. terms of investing for college students, mm-hmm. obviously we don't have a lot to play with. Yep, and, yep. And um, to start with, but is there anything that you would, you know, recommend for an average college student to maybe invest their money and it'll actually grow and yeah. pay them? So I think there, that's where technology's helped out a lot because you could be, you know, a startup investor and be able to go on, you know, go download the Acorns app or the mm-hmm. Robinhood app where you could just take, you know, five, ten dollars a month and just put it away. And to me, it's not, you know, stock picking and all that different stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure, if you're really into investing, you could get into picking some of your own stocks mm-hmm. and stuff. But most people in our world today aren't aren't going to you're not going to be successful doing that yeah. it's just about setting money aside and letting it grow long term mm-hmm. and so it's there for you in the future um, so yeah there's a lot of those things that you can do without you know having investment minimums and stuff where you can just go in there and say well hey i i'd like to have a growth account that you know maybe i could try to make 5 or 6% in and mm-hmm. and i can just put you know 5 or 10 bucks away at a time just so you're setting something aside yeah yeah so technology is good with that with some of these apps that have come out where you can you can start doing some small stuff like that right in college well you talked sure. about how the, the coffee the three dollars mm-hmm. you know three dollars a day and some people think that five or ten dollars that they'll be putting away isn't going to make a big difference mm-hmm. but it if you just look at the example we just gave mm-hmm. that over time that that number is going to add up with, and with compound interest and time you know time is our best friend at this point in our lives and i don't think some people understand that yeah, I mean, compound interest is the you know the one of the greatest wonders of the world. If tool. if you've got if you can save for forty five years till retirement, and you can find these kind of statistics all over online graphs and charts. Um, you know, what if I started saving a hundred dollars a month at age twenty five as opposed to thirty five as opposed to forty five as opposed to fifty five, and the amount you have to save starting at twenty five is considerably lower. I mean, from a fifty five year old, and mm-hmm. and when you look at the numbers, you're like, can that even be real? And that's what mm-hmm. I was kind of saying when I in my HPR class when they showed a statistic like that, I was like, well, I just got to start paying myself first, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Another analogy that I think breaks it down to an elementary level is I was having a conversation with my buddy and he was talking about a bowling game that he did Mm -hmm. and he only missed six pins in the whole entire game, but he only scored like a 176 because of the compound. He only missed six pins 
but he, like... It's a good example. Yeah, he he only scored a little bit over half of yep. what you actually could have scored yep. if you would have kept compounding and just got yep. strikes. It's Yeah, and it's funny you bring that up because one of the guys on my team that just started a few months ago, he'd laugh if he listens to this, but he's a, he's always been a bowler all through you know grade mm-hmm. school, high school, and we were talking about that. I know enough about bowling to understand kind of how the scoring works, mm-hmm. but we got, we kind of got into that. If you leave a frame open in bowling, it's mm-hmm. all, that's where you're gonna, your score is going to yeah. suffer so much. If you can just close every frame, you, know, you can be sh- shooting in the 200s, but that one open frame can be what you know really is a right. detriment to your score. So yeah, that's a very good analogy actually. So close I never your frames. About that. Yeah, close your frames. Yep. 